Welcome to the Fitness and Color Podcast, where we follow and highlight the experiences of people of color in the wellness and fitness industry, telling their stories in their own words. I, I'm worried about, I used to get all dolled up to run, right? Get all, you know, cute because I, I was like, oh, I don't want anyone to think that I'm too thuggish or look too mm-hmm. intimidating like a dude. Because then they may think I'm some black dude. And then what? Because like, otherwise, I'm a, if I'm going to keep it 100, make sure my hair stays good. I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to put right. scarves on my head or do rag and all this other stuff. But if I do that in, in the wrong neighborhood, right. are they going to look at me like, who is that? today's episode, we are going with a different format. When I first launched this podcast, my friend and mentor, Claudia Thompson, wanted to come on the show and talk about her experiences as a black woman running in and around Boston. We're going to talk about what her daily experiences are, the way she mentally prepares to go for a run, and how she feels in different neighborhoods depending on the lawn signs that she sees along her run. As we did a pre-interview for an episode, I found myself saying a lot of, wow, I can't even imagine that. Or, wow, I never knew that people go through that. I immediately felt unqualified to have a meaningful discussion with her about her experiences. Because not being able to quote-unquote imagine her everyday experiences is kind of like discrediting them altogether. I wanted to listen and learn without interjecting myself into the conversation. And so I felt that this episode should be about Black women having this discussion while the rest of us listen. I reached out to my friends and co-founders at Trailblazers Run Co, Lizzie Rock, Francis, and Abeo, and asked them to join Claudia on this episode to talk about their experiences. Trailblazers Run Co is an organization that is committed to building and nurturing the diversity in sisterhood. They host monthly meetups called Self-Care Sundays and an annual event called the Bra Run used to empower women of all shapes and sizes to feel comfortable in their own bodies while running in a sports bra. Claudia is the president of Claudia Connects, a personal and professional training, development, and networking events company. She is a dancer, a runner, and an all-around fitness enthusiast. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, welcome to Fitness in Color uh, by Sydney Baptista. Uh, my name is Francis Ramirez, and I'm one of the co-captains uh, of Pioneers Run Crew of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and but also, I'm also a co-founder of Trailblazers, um, along with Abeo and Liz. We out here, ladies, say something. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Yes, and today we have Claudia Thompson. So, uh, Claudia, tell us something about yourself. Something. Um, I'm tired, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I um, I'm. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am a native New Yorker, and I've lived in. I never claim Bostonian because uh, even though I lived here for 14 <laughs> years, I stuck because I'm a native New Yorker. I think a lot of us do that. We just never say it. Um, I'm a. Uh, 
I'm a divorced, uh, 40-something-year-old uh, with a son who's 19, sophomore in college. And, uh, and I'm a professional to a business professional. So um, I'm a serial entrepreneur and salesperson and speaker uh, and, and all that stuff. So, so over here in is your boss, yeah. basically. You're, you're a boss. Yeah, right. you're, 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 no, I mean, you haven't met my mother. My mother is the boss. Right. She is like queen of, of everything. So I, I definitely have followed, try to follow her as much as possible. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And you're from, I think we were reading, you're from, what is it, Staten Island? What is it? Island. Long Island? Staten, no, Staten Island. Island. Oh. Island. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth borough. Long Island is outside of New York City. We are inside, but we are still. Not counted. People don't even know we're part of New York. Of New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <That's> so funny. <laughs> no, no. Shout out to to Long Islanders, but. No. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah. All right. So I guess we can jump yeah. right into it. Um, what was your introduction into the running and fitness world? Ah, <clears throat> uh, I think. Oh my God. I, I want to say I tried it in high school. So I grew up in Staten Island. Um, a lot of times the misconception is that, I mean, just because Wu-Tang is from there, shout out to the Wu. Um, but just because Wu-Tang is from there, but most people don't know about Staten Island. Uh, in Staten Island, while there are people of different races and backgrounds, it is predominantly white, uh, predominantly very um mostly white, uh, mostly Italian, Catholic, conservative type of place, but there are a mix. Um, there was a track team that was mostly filled with black people, but it was um, it was uh, sprinters. And I wasn't really, I tried it a little bit, but I did, I, fo- I kind of, I was a cheerleader and I did some basketball and I was the basketball manager for the guys. Um, but I, I really always kind of felt that running was a white thing. Mm-hmm. I know we all know that. So I um I always sort of thought it was like for white people. I had a very I don't know how it's not even appropriate. I had a big chest growing up, like when I was younger, and that was also made it harder for me to run. Mm-hmm. So I was like embarrassed. Somebody made comment when I was running. Um, mm-hmm. so I knew I loved running, but I didn't really get into it until about a little kind of in college too, but mostly not until I was ma- going married and almost like going through separation and a divorce. And it was very therapeutic for me because I was in a very tumultuous relationship. And so that was my escape. I would go, I would run several miles every morning, mm-hmm. like a crazy person. And then I would come back and do a Pilates workout. And then I would go to the gym after one. Mm. Okay. Right. Yeah, I was, I was doing it. That was, that was okay. how I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, dr- I didn't drink or do drugs or, that was my vice. That was yeah. my my way to escape. Was was wrong. That was your therapy. That was yeah. your therapy. That was my yeah. therapy for sure. Still, still is to this day. So that's how pretty much I did that. And then I would run races uh, from time to time. But mo- most of the time, I would just run for myself, right. by myself. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd find crews uh, every now and then, mostly white people. Um, and uh, you know, I did find black girls run. God, maybe ten years ago. And uh, mm-hmm. I was involved with yoga too, but I was always about moving my body. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I don't mean to drift. Tell me experiences uh, with the run crews because you said they were predominantly white. So how did it feel? Like, were you always like the token girl, token black girl, mm-hmm. or? Yeah, um, definitely. I think um, 
for sure, because I think, you know, growing up, I definitely had, I was telling somebody this experience, maybe it was even Sydney, but I was telling somebody the experience of how I would, when I was, you know, living in my neighborhood and I was always usually, and I was in the honors classes. So there were some black students in the school, but there were only one was in my class, only one other usually. I know her still to this day. We're the only two. So uh, for a long time. So what I, I would have friends in the neighborhood, you know, we got along. I had some friends where I had to leave their house at like 5.45 p.m. because their fathers were coming home because they didn't want black people in the house. So I would have And then my other friends would be like, bye. Or some would come with me. Mm -hmm. And even if it wasn't just POCs, it was like non, like if you black, like, cause I had friends that were uh, Asian, you know, East Asian, South Asian, um, Hispanic, I'm, I'm, I'm also um, Hispanic, Panamanian, but who were not black and they could stay, but I had to leave. Wow. You have to leave. And my sister, she's four years younger than me. She had the same thing. And it was just like, oh, okay. Uh, was, but that, I, was that like normal to, was that normal to you or did you question that? I mean, both. Like as a, like as a, as a young kid, like, like how do you process that mentally? I mean, both, right? Like, so it was normal because we really didn't matter, right? So the, the, the you know, this thing of how Black Lives Matter sort of evolved into uh, Black cis het men and the police, it was, it's so much more broader of a narrative right. than that. Um, so right. the, for, for me, I always knew I didn't really matter, like in, in, the, in the bigger picture of things, right? There was like public enemy had 911 is a joke, right? Like, which meant, not that 911 is like haha funny, but like if you call 911 and you live in the hood, which I didn't, but if you were black, you basically would bleed out if you needed help. Right. Like that was the way that we were perceived in this country. So it wasn't like it was, so for me, I was like, oh yeah, well I'm the black one, I have to leave. And that a hundred percent carries out into relationships today for mm-hmm. me. Like just right. with people in general, just the way that I interact <laughs> with people is because of that you know, trauma of, of being dismissed and removed from my, with my friends. Like we're here playing with Barbie dolls or as we get older, just hanging out. And I would be asked, I would be the one that would be asked to leave. And it was more than one time and more than one friend. Mm. And how do you think mm. that yeah. like impacted your mental health then? And even now, how much of a role? God, I mean, I can only imagine. It's still, I mean, I was just talking to my therapist about this yesterday mm. <laughs> you know it's it's sort of this epiphany um so if i don't if i have a group because i have friends of all races right my son is biracial so obviously i still interact with uh you know white people and if i have a group of white people and who are my friends and they don't invite me to something i go to automatically it's because i'm black mm-hmm. um right. if i'm in a relationship right. and i feel that i'm like invisible or not accepted fully I, that's where I go. I go back to, well, it's because I'm black or the way I look or, you know, then ugly, all of that stuff, especially then you add the intersectionality of me being darker skinned, you know, that all of that stuff had always played a role, um, you know, for, for me. So that's, you know, and uh, yeah. And I think that that was, it was really, really hard um, to, to manage all of those feelings and still, you have to keep going, right? We have to be resilient. We're supposed to keep going. No one, right. no one killed you, to- you, so you just, you just keep going. 
you you keep on going, right? You yeah. have to be the quote unquote strong black mm-hmm. black girl, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about mental health because I feel like it's such like a stigma in like the black community. Mm-hmm. Right. And your when did you um seek out therapy? When did you know like okay, let, let me mm-hmm. let me do this? Well, first of all, you need to know Mama is a, a clinical. She's a clinician. Okay. So that was Good. it. Wasn't <laughs> weird. So we were like therapy was like. You don't like the Cheerios you're eating? Like, you should go to therapy. No, it wasn't like that. But it was like, let's talk about it. I love that, though. But it wasn't, you know, it was kind of, because uh, my mom came from a, a kind of crazy past, right? Uh, growing up in Jamaica, she, she's Jamaican and my dad is from Panama. But she, you know, she had a lot of stuff happen. So she was always making sure, because she did a lot of work on herself. And so she was mm-hmm. always making sure that we took care of ourselves as much as possible. And sometimes I would open up in therapy and sometimes I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just the way that it was. I wasn't always um, open to it, but I was exposed to that. This is a way to help yourself is is through talking to someone about it. So I was in individual therapy. I was in group therapy. Uh, you know, now being much more self-aware, I see why I needed to talk to somebody, but I didn't know it in the moment. You know, um, I think the most, the craziest thing, and I have, I've had so many, I think because I grew up in a neighborhood that wasn't like bad, right? I was like, oh, I grew up fine and I'm, I'm educated mm-hmm. and everything was fine. My parents, even when they got split, you know, they split up, they're, they're like best friends. Like, I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't experience any of these crazy things. But mm-hmm. one of the things that happened to me in eighth grade, <clears throat> I was maybe, uh, yeah, I was in eighth grade. It was like spring break. And I was walking mm-hmm. with my friends to the YMCA so that we can like, do things that, you know, eighth grade uh, girls at that time would do, which is we would go, you know, maybe go swimming, maybe uh, play some basketball or whatever, watch boys play basketball and like hang out. And we were meeting a friend there. And so we're walking down the street near, you know, not far from my neighborhood, uh, which is a very, you know, again, clean, quiet neighborhood. And there were two white guys that were in the car at the intersection and they're about to turn right on red and we're just laughing, seeing them like kind of looking at us. And, uh, and I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, whatever, not really paying them too much mind. Uh, Cause you know, we're like 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we hear sort of a, a sound like a pop and we don't know what it is. And we're like, so I, for me, again, I grew up, I didn't hear any, any, I was like, I thought it was fireworks in April. I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And then when we, when I look up, I see that one of them is pointing a gun. Hmm. So I don't know what kind of gun wow. it is. Um, and it, it was a couple of shots and my face right here got grazed with a bullet. Hmm. So blood hmm. immediately, like I kind of was in shock and then blood immediately kind of gushes out everywhere. Now, now right. someone telling me this story, I would be crushed and heartbroken to hear this, a child, you know, cause I was a child, but I was like, oh, and then I, and then I, the thoughts that kind of went through my head were not like, oh my God, this is wrong. This, I was just like, oh, my mom is going to be so mad that I got my clothes right. messed up <laughs> or like, am right. I going to be okay? And then, you know, another thought was like, and cause they had said certain things, right. It was clearly a hate crime. It was clearly right. a hate crime. Right. Right. That's okay. yep. And, um, and my best friend that I was walking with, um, is Hispanic. Right. So we were just like, Oh my God. And she, I mean, looking back, we just started talking about this because I only shared about this since George Floyd. Mm. 
I posted this on Facebook. It went kind of semi-viral. Like people were sharing and like kind of blown away after meeting me, um, not knowing this. People my whole life, they were like, what? And some people knew. Some people that were in my class mm -hmm. knew. Um, and so then I got perspectives from people that did know. And she was like, I was like a mess for years after that. Mm -hmm. You know, to see that, to see you. And we go back to the house. And then I had to go to the hospital. And then when I went to the hospital, you know, the, the police came, of course, right? Because it's a, a gunshot or whatever. But luckily, like, it was only that I grazed my face. It didn't hit my eye. I didn't go blind. I didn't go directly in me where I died. Um, right, right. It was like a miracle, right? There was like, and they took the report. And I had checked with my mom before I had written the story. Never heard from the police no. after that day. Like, never, ever, ever. So a lot of times people are like, oh, you think the police are bad? I'm like, they just were negligent. They just didn't even bother checking in. And now being a parent myself, if that happened to my son, I would be like living. Right. I would set things. Right. I would set things on fire. I would be so angry because this is my child, and you and you don't, you know. And so to know that there are people out there who uh, who are in positions of power who don't um, think of your life as much, you know. And at the time, I was fine with it because that's the way that it mm -hmm. was. Is like it's fine. And so all of those things happening, I think that goes back to the mental health piece, which then had me, for me, it's movement. I dance, I dance in a dance company too. I run, I, I work out every day. Like I just have to do these things um, just to, for myself, just to have some freedom. I meditate, I do a lot of that stuff from mindfulness, but it took a long time to get here, you know, to get from, a, you know, and from a place of joy too. I do it for myself, uh, for well-being, but it, my God, I mean, and I'm lucky that I didn't go the path of drugs or, uh, you know. Cause you could have easily right. gone that easily. way. Yeah. Like literally easily. from all the experiences you were going through, you would think that you will end up on drugs, doing some shit that you shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. But look at that. That's awesome that you, you actually use fitness in a positive way to positive like, way. to like really push yourself. Like imagine you went through all this trauma you must be stressed out. You must have so much shoulder on your weight. And you know, probably the best way for you to release it is to like mm -hmm. hit the pavement mm -hmm. right. or do some like lifting and stuff because that's, that's, that's like endurance right there. That's wow. Powerful. I powerful. always, I always like to say like movement is like yeah. a form of protest, especially for women, especially for people of color, just because they don't want us to move. They don't want us to work out. They don't want us to protest. They don't want us to like move right. forward. Yeah, they don't yeah. want no sense of progress. So whenever you could like move your body, I feel like it's just it's so powerful and it's such like a protest for yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we were actually reading your essay yesterday <laughs> on Facebook, mm -hmm. um, and we were we were blown away. Like I didn't think the story was gonna right. go that way when we first okay. started reading reading it. Um, and then there was another part too in your story where you said that. Um, there were kids who would like throw rocks at you. They were they were part of like a Catholic school, right? Yeah. So right across the street, ironically, right where I got shot five right. years before, right? I was like in third grade or something. Um, I I was like walking home. So we had a half day. So you know, if you're in public school, you have a half day. The kids in the mm -hmm. in Catholic school still had school. So the nuns were outside. The kids were playing. Mm -hmm. I go to I, I live in the neighborhood with half these kids, right? We we go after school, we go play in the park, all this stuff. So I see them, I'm walking home, right? And the only time I've had real experience with even witnessing racism was like an after school special at this time. Mm. Like, oh, this or things you read it, because of course what they were teaching me, 
was that it's from so long ago, from the slave days. So there's nothing really bad now. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, cause those, those things are from the past. And I'm like walking and all of a sudden these kids, I feel like a pelt. Um, and then mostly the shouting, it was mostly the words that like broke me. So I'm walking and they're like darky midnight, get out, we can't see you. And I'm like, and I'm holding my breath and I don't allow myself to cry. Cause of course I can't let them see me get emotional it, in third grade. Again, I'm eight years old walking, like having these things. And the second that I'm out of sight from the fence, I am like, just not even try to cry. Like the tears just flow, flow down. I couldn't believe it. And again, telling my mother, my mother is so again, she as a black woman has to be resilient, has to be strong for me as just as a parent too. You're just thinking I have to be this strong for my child, but it's like, my God, like my mother that, and then me getting shot, you know, later she's like, oh my God, like this, there was another time, you know, later on in life, I had a car accident and a piece of wood flew off a truck and smacked me dead in the face. I had a hundred stitches and a broken nose. My mom was like, when she got to the hospital, she was, again, she was like, business, let's go, like grab my stuff. She told me, you know, recently when she drove to the, to the junkyard, to the, to the yard where my uh, car was, she saw the wood right through my seat and she just lost it. And she's like, that's how I, what happened every time. Like you just lose it, but you have to keep it together because we have to be strong. We don't have a choice. You know, we do, but we don't know that we do. And so it's so, it's so challenging. And I know this now inherently, I know this, but I definitely, I know it as a mother with my son, you know, Mm -hmm. that peace that you don't have, you never really can fully rest because you just never know what's going to happen. So, yeah. I got to say something. Uh, So, you know, your experience with a Catholic school, I went to um, purely Catholic schools until I went to Epiphany, which is, which is an Episcopalian school. Mm -hmm. That's where, that's where I met Sydney. So before that, I went to Sacred Heart. I'm going to drop the name in Rosendale. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you these, because these sisters got to know in there. I remember that was the first time I was was called the N word. Mm-hmm. I, I I knew what what it meant, and I know that it was hurtful, but it was even more hurtful because I thought this person was my friend, mm-hmm. and he said that to me because we were like play fight. I'm a, I'm I'm like a very tomboy. I like to play fight, and then um, we were like mm-hmm. just joking around. He called me that. He called me that, and I was just like blown away. I pushed him down the stairs. I told the I told the nuns like why did why did I push him down the stairs and I told him because he called me the n word. I got sent home. Yeah, the accountability oh, yeah. is so, so misplaced, got, you know. Oh yeah, right. So I yeah I got sent home. I remember like crying and telling my parents about it. And like a year later, I was in Epiphany where it was purely people of color, kids mm-hmm. of color, right. So I came from being a minority into a school that, because, you know, parents think that Catholic schools are the best education, better education in public, which is bullshit. Um, it's just Old Testament teaching. That's really what it is. Uh, and, and then I went to that and like I had like such a great experience doing that. And I'm, I'm grateful that my parents right. listened to me and really uh, encouraged me to be around kids who won't tease me because of my skin. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So. I totally get that. The whole mother hens thing, like, 
protect your child. You don't want them to go through that. Yeah. It's, it's painful. Yeah. Like my son, my son too. I mean, yeah. there's problematic issues. He did go to a charter school. So there's like issues in that, like afterwards mm-hmm. we live in Malden, which we're near mystic Valley. And if you remember mystic Valley is the one where the girls were wearing yes. extensions and got in trouble. I know their parents very well. They live right down mm-hmm. the street. Right. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other thing. Um, and I was just talking to someone about this today, but then like my son was in a school with mostly kids of color. Cause he was in a uh, Malden gifted program. Like it was fine, but I started to see things. And even like at his football practices, I would listen to the parents, the things they were saying. Mm-hmm. And I wanted him to be exposed to more kids of color. And he mm-hmm. was all about it at first because of the things that they had promised at the school. Again, there's many problematic things, but I did like mm-hmm. that he had these kids of, of color that he knew. So funny now he's a sophomore at UMass and he has an apartment down there. Uh, but he's he's home now uh, for a couple of weeks because most of the kids that can afford to have an apartment there are white and partying and they behave in such a way uh, recklessly almost, right? They're very reckless mm-hmm. because they don't care if they get arrested, it's probably going to be wiped off or they're not worried about this impacting their entire mm-hmm. life. So his from his mindset, you know, just having these conversations with him, he's telling me, he's like, I'm... I'm coming back to my boys. Like they're at least they're like on the up and up, uh, which most, which is sad because most people would view them as hoodlums or whatever, just based on the color of their skin, which they are not. So, I I mean, I think it gets very frustrating when there's so many dynamics, uh, you know, demographics and intersectionality plays a huge role. Um, But it's just, it's just very challenging. And again, I always go back to my mom, you know, my mom specifically, my dad is like always easy breezy, like, um, but my parents, it must have been just brutal for them to experience time and time and time again for two black daughters, not just for mm-hmm. one, to have that happen, you know, for, to who knows. My sister had her own experiences, um, you know, and it wasn't until high school I was in a program, a gifted program for, um, it was specific for P, uh, kids of color. And I was brought in. So it was a school that I wasn't zoned for. And I felt so much more like myself. And I felt my very best friend I met uh, there at that school. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, all of these things, you know, played a role. And like I said, there were still kids in high school that were plenty of white kids that I was in classes with uh, that would say very problematic things. So. Well, you, yeah. you mentioned safety and I mean, obviously your safety was threatened, you know, with the various experiences that you've had. And so as a black woman, we face like this very complex dynamic where as a person of color, we're perceived as a threat, but then as a woman, our safety is jeopardized. So in regard to running and regard to fitness, like how do you balance those two? Um. So looking back, right, because I belonged to, I'm not going to call it out because they're dealing with a, an issue now, uh, an organiza- <laughs> a fitness organization, mm-hmm. uh, predominantly white, based out of Boston, that's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> Which one? I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, messages after. <laughs> I'm like, which one is it? This I, mean, it's got, I mean, the, the big one. So um, who's, who's dealing with this? But I... So that was the first time I was actually working out with other people. So part of it I liked, right? Because I, I I expanded my community. I'm a networker. That's what I, a lot of what I consult on is is how to network uh, and also some mm-hmm. DEI stuff. But I so I enjoyed it, and I've met some of my very closest friends from this org- this community. But I it was no surprise because people were like, "Oh, now you don't have to go to the gym." I did belong to gyms here and there, but for most of my adult life and through my fitness 
journey, I have worked out by myself. And I'm an extrovert. So it's not like it's not like I was like trying to avoid people, but I have been um because I've worried about being called out or compared against someone else. So that's that part of it. When we talk about safety, I used to work out, I have always have had weights in my house. I've always had things in my home because I was so worried about going out somewhere um, or you know, out to a place, not feeling accepted and not feeling safe. When I run, running is probably the biggest thing. Uh, I mean, it. why I'm more of a long distance runner, I think is it just takes me a couple, a mile or two to kind of settle right. in because I have all the thoughts the second I leave my house, especially after Ahmaud Arbery passed, mm-hmm. you know, after he, he was murdered, not passed. After he was murdered, those those fears quadrupled, right. right? So anytime I would leave, you know, I I'm worried about. I used to get all dolled up to run, right? Get all you know cute because I I was like, oh, I don't want anyone to think that I'm too thuggish mm-hmm. or look too intimidating, like a dude, because then they may think I'm some black dude, and then what? Because like otherwise, I'm a, if I'm gonna keep it 100, make sure my hair stays good. I'm gonna wrap it. I'm gonna put scarves right. on my head or do rag and all this other stuff. But if I do that in in the wrong neighborhood, right. it, are they gonna look at me like who is that? So I'm like I have to be a little feminine. But then those the aspects right the inter, the, the intersectionality the 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 fem part right because I'm you know now it's like will they try to harm me or assault mm-hmm. me or jump out of the car and attack right. me you know for both one or the other so that often that's like every run. I have that happen mm. um, every single run. And actually recently, you'd be surprised in Maine, I went on a vacation for a week in Maine of all places, uh, but I was in lower Maine, like near Portland. So it's like kind of safe. Um, but I was in, um, I was down uh, on the beach. And so every day I was running on the beach, I loved it. Cause I didn't have to worry about people potentially coming out. It was like out in the open for everybody to see. Mm-hmm. So I could just run and be myself and be free and not have to worry. I mean, I those were some of the best runs that I had. So, um, but yeah, usually it takes me a little bit. I have to get in the groove. I have to like, you know, and then sometimes, I, you know, I, I listen to things, but I, you know, th- that's safety in general of like keeping it kind of low enough so you can hear, but I keep it, I'm like, check in, you know, making sure, cause I'm always worried someone's gonna come out. The other thing is, you know, so I live in Malden on the Melrose line. Melrose is 92% white. I basically yeah. live, like you would think I live in Melrose where mm. I live. And um, so it's fine, right? Whatever. Um, you know, if I'm running through Cambridge or Somerville, I'm going to see allies, you know, signs, whatever. I, I Sometimes I'm like, they're performative, but they're very valuable when I'm running, right? Because I'm like, okay, at least I know if something happens to me for whatever reason, if I needed to run into a home, I could probably run into these homes and be okay. Mm. More likely than not. Yeah. Feeling safe being out there and seeing those signs. Yeah. So, so more and more, I'm starting to see more, even, even, you know, political, like even seeing Biden Harris signs, I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'm not enthusiastic about this man, but like, I'm like, okay, they're not Trump supporter. Cause now those, those, those over or covert, covert, um, you know, if I see a big, you know, planted American flag outside someone's house. Like someone put like concrete, like cement in front of their house right. to put a big flag. I'm like, oh, they want me to know. Like, right, yeah. you're in alert. You're I'm out, like, yeah. oh, if I see a Blue Lives Matter right. flag, I'm definitely freaking yeah. out. 
Um, so I see, and it's not that I don't want you to support whatever, um, but it's, but unfortunately my brain is like, uh, uh, you know, and then like last month I was running and I saw a big inflatable Trump, like a big inflatable, but not like a funny one. It was like, they were proud that they were Trump's. It was like wow. a Trump threw up on this house. And I was like, I'll never run this way again. So I never ran. It was a route, a route I don't normally take. I went to check in and say hi to friends and run by their house. I was like, nope, I won't run this right. way. So I think all of that stuff is stuff, um, you know, it's a privilege to run. That's why running is probably considered a white uh, activity because it is something, you know, that is not, because if you see a black person running, someone would be like, oh my God, I think someone's stole something or what happened. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a challenge. So it's, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, but I still, it doesn't take away from me loving being able to run. Absolutely. And so you mm-hmm. mentioned that, um, for you know, professionally, you work with networking and consulting. So with, mm-hmm. you know, we did some research with Claudia Connects. Um, how do you see your work intersecting with running and fitness? And if it doesn't currently, how do you envision that intersection? Oh, totally. Um, you know, like Sid and I were talking too, like this excitement about um, sort of taking back, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, fitness and, and these types of things that that seems very uh, white centric and white centered and, you know, like the, you know, runner's world. If you look at the, all of this stuff, you know, we know, you know, Allison, uh, who does Harlem, uh, Harlem Run and um, she does, you know, uh, she's great. I love talking with her. Uh, but she'll, you know, it's the same kind of things like these movements, you all, these movements that we're, we're sort of taking it back or owning it in our own space. Um, I think, um, you know, having conversations with people, I have had conversations before, um, I forgot, God, I've done so many things, but I, with black athletes speaking about some of this stuff. So having an opportunity to network, I did have a social at Boston. There was a group that was started by a, a white guy. He's, he's a cool dude but he brought me in and we were starting to host some more networking events for athletes, just like running, basically running community, but anybody that was into fitness. Um, So it was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun, but then he got overwhelmed from it. uh, And I was going to try to take it over, but right now that doesn't matter. You know, we're not doing any of that. Um, But I definitely see opportunities for those who are black uh, in fitness to not, because some people may want to dip their toe in the fitness water, Mm -hmm. right? They may be like, well, I would love to do this, but I'm not a fast runner. I'm not a runner, um, but I want to be, you know, I wouldn't mind going on walks. So finding people who want to, who are interested in movement and bringing them together, they can kind of find each other. And that was one of the things that drew me to these larger fitness communities was that you could do that. You could kind of find your people, you know, oh, they're my Mm -hmm. pace. They're not too slow. They're not too fast. Like I can find these people and we can do things inside of this. And then we can also be part of the larger group. So I think there's definitely an opportunity to network and find these people and then also network out, you know, like with anything, uh, the the social aspect of it. If we're in a group together, like Sid and I are in a business networking group together, in addition to a fitness community together. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, we're constantly, you can easily bounce things off of each other and find a way to uh, work uh, in other areas of your life besides just one aspect. Yeah. And I think that's what we do with like trailblazers. The three of us, we came together to, 
you know, form this group for not only women, but especially give a space for women of color to come together, to network, to move their bodies, to connect, to form that sisterhood um, and make those connections. And just doing that is super important. Creating that platform is very, very important. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to join y'all soon. (laughs) One thing about Trailblazers is that we do run, we do run like three-ish miles, but that's one half. The other half, we use that platform to broadcast any woman of fitness or wellness Mm -hmm. just because it it, because one of the things that we've noticed is like how do you find a poc or just a woman well really a poc woman let's just say that that does fitness and here's that and then how can we afford it so we open it up to like fundraising in a way right donations so you can give whatever you can give to that person teaching you in that class and give you more exposure mm-hmm. so that's one of the great things about trailblazers i love it yeah yeah and i would like to i was waiting for the you know the and we could collab one of these days yeah, yeah. yes yeah, no, definitely. 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 I think it's so important because we, again, we don't know, we, we don't care for ourselves, black women. We literally go to the death or even, I mean, black right. women for sure. I mean, if you look at Chadwick Boseman, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's calling him a hero. He wasn't, this is what he did. He, he worked to the death. He stayed quiet about his illness. Uh, he was expected to show up, you know, fully the way that he needed to and, and all of these things. And that's what they expect a lot of us. Uh, and on the top of this, you know, black women, everything I feel like is on the backs of us. Right. I feel like everything is constantly like they can handle it. They can, there's something right. about it. Um, oftentimes people will critique me and say, oh, I, I thought you didn't like me. And I'm like, I'm like the goofiest, funniest person, but they always ex- expect me to be this person that's abrasive and rough. And it's just from uh, sheerly on who I am and the way that I look. Right. It's not actually getting to know right. me. So I think, um, you know, we're expected to just be bulletproof like titanium and we just go along with it because that's the way that we have been, you know, from right. when we were basically out of the womb. So, yeah. Yeah, but we definitely, moving your body is part of um, self-care mm-hmm. and um, and staying healthy and strong. And, you know, so definitely I, I find that, I just find it like fulfilling. Right. So I'm I'm definitely down with expanding any community that does that, <laughs> mostly that lifts up Black femmes first. Right. So yeah, and definitely yes. with Trailblazers, I mean, we want to honor the movement, you know, the physical movement, but it's also, you know, as we talked about with the mental health piece. So you know, it's about you know making connections with therapists and and mental health professionals and having a platform for women to feel vulnerable and feel confident to, you know, share their stories, tell their stories, empower each other. So pairing that with the movement, you know, that's, that's all we want to do. We just want to put those two worlds together and do the best we can with the women in our community and do right by them. Yeah. Yeah. So important. It's so important. It's such great work that, that I'm glad that there's a space for that uh, right here in this area too, but really, um, that's a message that needs to just be known uh, throughout, through everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talking about running, um, and I know you said that you're into long distance running. Um, have you done any marathons or any, or halves? Yes, I have. Which, which ones have you done? Um, the, I did Chicago. Oh, yes, 
Canada. I was supposed to run. I I still want to run New York. Just because I'm Ooh, there, and it's you need to run New York. <laughs> I know. It's from, it's I have to run New York because I'm I'm a New Yorker, and starts where mm -hmm. I'm from. So, um, so I will I will do I will run Staten Island. Um, I would have run I've run a couple of virtual races um, this year, which has been cool. Again, uh, it's unique because you can kind of do it on your own time, and I think we're actually seeing a lot more virtual races happen, even when people come back to yeah. running. Um, I think that it, I think it's actually good. It gives people like a space just to do it uh, and maybe not feel pressure if they don't want to be around a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I've done halves. Uh, I've done um, marathon, marathon relays. I've done like trail races. Nice. So yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite it's distance in particular or are you just kind of embracing it all? I want it to be marathons. I want it to be. Um, I know you want it to be. I think we all want it to be. I want it to be, and then my hips are on fire, usually around 22 to 24. Like, I'm just like, why right. did this? And I'm only getting not younger. So I I, I think it's like, um, I, I want to be able, I, I, I do enjoy, there's something about the, the struggle and the journey, the whole thing of it, um, to complete a marathon. It feels so good when you do. Um, right. you know, to even go past, past a half, you know, like 20 miles mm -hmm. and, um, it feels great, but I think that it definitely, um, it, it's, uh, I, I enjoy, I think I can get joy anywhere between the, the, the 10 K to half marathon is like a good, like comfortable on a regular basis right, right. kind of run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. As the hips are, you know, getting it's sad. I'm, I'm doing okay for my age. I mean, 43 is like, but man, it's, I'm like, wow, this is getting rough. So, yeah. It's it's hard out here. It definitely is. Yeah. I'm like, man, I just bent over. I'm like, ow. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we all did Chicago yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, we right? did. All them, yeah. I like yeah. I liked it. Oh, it, it's a big it's it's a a smile. That mile was ugh. that last one goes And up. the thing is they that say Chicago one. is flat, but I don't know if I buy that. It's it's like ninety percent flat and then that little bit at the end, they don't talk about that. That bit at the end they don't talk about like, it. <laughs> you're like, No, why did you why did you do this? And you and your training in Boston. Right. Where there's like it's hilly and and I live on the top of a crazy mm. hill. It might as well be Harper Hill. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It is. I live on both sides. So when I'm running, I run down. I run back up. So when uh. I'm done with my, you know, when you're supposed to kind of cool off, I'm like, <gasps> and I'm like oh, like up my hill. So I think um, it's it's different. It's deceiving when you're when you're training that way because then it's like then you go to that and it's and that's I think that's why I had the hip stuff. Mm. Uh, when I did Chicago, mm -hmm. because it was just kind of, um, I, I had a great race. I had a great race. We had great weather. Right. weather. I did that in 2016. It was great. But I, I think it was just, uh, yeah, that last, that hill was just mm -hmm. not, I was like, this is rude. <laughs> <laughs> and it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. I cla I classify that that marathon hill it's wrong it's deceiving because then I literally I had people my friend running hand in hand with me and I was like I, I was like I'm just gonna walk and they're like let's just 
But I had a great race. Most of my splits were great. And then the last part, I was like, whatever, I don't right. care. So what weather would you <laughs> say like, you feel like you thrive in? Like what season? Because I mean, there's some people who are really about that winter warrior life. And then there's some people who, you know, they want to run and train in the, in the warmer temperatures. So like, what do you feel like is your best running or your ideal running climate? I like the 50, 60 degrees. So right now is actually right, ideal for me, right. which is why yeah. I like, uh, you know, it's usually perfect. I mean, I had friends who've run Chicago who it was like a monsoon and I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I was like, that didn't happen to me. Right. But, um, cause it's, mm-hmm. it's tricky, right? Like October can be kind of tricky mm-hmm. and it's usually that second weekend, uh, indigenous mm-hmm. people's day weekend. Mm-hmm. I'll call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, but then, and then New York is like November. So it's again, but I, I like the cooler weather, um, running. It makes me feel good. I can still get a sweat but not too much. Uh, the winter Mm -hmm. I'll run, you know, I'll work out outside in any kind of weather, but the problem is that when you're running and you get sweaty and then you stop and then it's like icy and I have rain outs, my hands are always cold. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's just, you got to balance it. Right. Yeah. I I honestly like been running lately and been cold and like, just been thinking about the Chicago marathon weather the New York one too, because New York and uh, and Chicago were like basically they're the like same a month weather. apart. Yeah. They're like a month. Yeah. yeah, and this is this is the best. Uh, this is the best. TV. This is the best. Yeah, this the, is the, best. the summer. Um, so that's the tri- the tricky part, right? If you if you're training for Boston, then you're mm-hmm. running in the mm-hmm. winter, and then you're like, no, <laughs> it's a and then you're like that, that couple <laughs> that same they they run that is like a, a meme. My God, when the girls like, oh, this is the best weather, and it was snowing, and she busts her yeah. butt. Um, that's my favorite. I watch that. Yes, if I'm ever having a bad day, hilarious. I just watch She's that. Like, the and it texture just makes me of the snow is just so ideal. I'm like, girl. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I have this running joke of I can't stand runners. And I feel like we all, it's something that we all would just say as a runner. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like, I'm like, no, it's pretty good. This? It's pretty good. Yeah, no. So I don't like, I don't love, uh, you can get a decent day in December or January, but if it's too, too cold, that bitter, I mean, where my face hurts and I'm like wrapped up like a mummy, I feel like that's not really the way. Um, but I still like, I'll still get out there and do, but I'm not going to do a long, it just hurts mm-hmm. and you don't, and it's unpredictable. And if there's a lot of snow, like we had in 2015, uh, it can become challenging. So I really love uh, the fall or spring, but mostly this fall is, is, is great. I find for running. Yeah. Yeah. And when you got into running, I know you said, you always loved running, but you always thought like it was a white, a white sport. And you had told us this, the story about like, you know, having a bigger chest and you being made fun of, like, did your mom encourage you to start running? Like, did it like run in the family? Did your mom, was your mom a runner, your dad a runner? My mom, my, both my parents, are, my dad will walk like hundred blocks. Like when nine 11 happened, my dad was working. Um, he was a microbacteriologist up in the at Mount Sinai medical center up in uh, Manhattan so that's like on mm-hmm. 96, 97th street. It's 90 blocks down to Staten Island Ferry. So he walked and he had no problem. My dad still wow. can run. He can walk. And so my parents were pretty um, athletic. We didn't have any sugar cereals in my house. You can already kind of get where I was growing up. Um, I have to go to my, my, my cousin's house. <laughs> we didn't have McDonald's. That was like a year treat. So um, yeah. So it was, I was like, oh man, wheat bread, like all this stuff. And now I'm allergic to gluten. So um, 
my dad still juices all this stuff. So my family, okay. my mom, my mom would run every day and she would run, she would swim at the, at the gym. Right. So the gym had a, had a, had a pool. We had a pool too, but it was small. So she had, she would go and, and do laps like every day at the gym. Mm. So my family, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I guess I did have that role model where, um, you know, where I saw that they were like always active and not like trying to, you know, we weren't using the car as much if we didn't have to, like we walked everywhere and, you know, and it was New York. So like you have to walk to, to an extent. Staten Island's a little more suburban, mm-hmm. but, um, right. but we still, you know, we just always were, were active. And like I said, I was a cheerleader for like most of my life through college. And then I coached cheerleading. <laughs> so I was always uh, in movement and moving my body. But my parents definitely so your story is, is then like to me it's kind of like unique because I feel like when you think of like black families, you don't my family anyways. I can't speak to the two other girls, but it's like we I didn't grow up with with that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I kind of had to find that in my adult life. Um, like how do you see like you yourself right now, kind of bringing that because it's something that we all we all talk about is like working with the youth. Like we want to work with you know, young girls um, to kind of like, kind of foster them and like show them that, okay, this it's okay to, to go out and run. It's not a white sport, you know, educate them on, on the right, you know, running gear that, you know, mm-hmm. instead of someone laughing at you about, you know, your, your boobs going everywhere, like they could have simply educated, you know, educated yeah. you. Yeah. Or even that, I mean, even my, like I had a bit, I had a big booty. So then that's, the, and I, you know, I didn't like the guys talking about my body. Like, right. I, was like I felt like very uncomfortable. Um, I didn't know. I was like, they're calling me fat. You know, that was, <laughs> and they're like, oh, look at her butt. Look at her, you know, this and look at her booty and her, you know. Um, so I think, um, so now, so like, my, you know, I think it does help if they don't have that in the home. I think it's great right. that like, embrace however they feel comfortable moving their body. So like Mm -hmm. I said, uh, I dance, I usually perform with a dance company. We are not really performing now, although we did a a music video this past weekend. I'm like so excited. It was socially distanced. Yeah. I dance Bollywood. I dance hip hop and Bollywood. What? I told y'all. So these I always would do things. Like cheerleading was a white thing too. I would do things at the same time. I wouldn't care. I would just do things. Running though, like somebody said something about my body. And I think that that was more the problem was like them talking right. about the way my body was um, and the way that I was running, that my form would, looked funny or something. And I was just like, oh, never going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, so I, I, I like moving. And I think if we can encourage young girls to like feel comfortable, however they want to move, whatever works for them uh, and cheering them on for the littlest of, you know, right. Because sometimes you get that one girl who's like a baby Flojo and you're like, Oh, you're so fast. And then everyone's like, Oh, well, I'm not fast. Like I'm just going to forget it. Kind of celebrating the little wins and celebrating however they feel best that moves, moving their body works. But as long as they can, if they're able, if they're able, um, however they can, can do that. Cause I think it's so important Mm -hmm. Um, to just celebrate and recognize, like really um, give them praise for those little things. Right, because that helps just build up your self-confidence, your yes. self-love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I even think as a young adult, when I was doing yoga at first, when I first started doing yoga, 
you know, I think this happens too with people when they start trying to do yoga. But again, black people, you don't usually now we now you see a little bit more. But back, yeah, I, no, you did it. not, you did not. Mm-mm. And so I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not gonna do this. this is weird or whatever else. And yoga is like the thing that actually saves my life. So. <laughs> the pips. The hip, again, my my. I'm about to sit in some kind of pose after I'm done with y'all. I'm gonna do a little run and then I'm gonna just foam roll and just sit. Um, yeah, on some yoga blocks or something because my hips are just not kind. But just quickly circling back though, that's why like representation is super important, mm-hmm. so important mm-hmm. to see people like us, women like us, doing yoga, mm-hmm. running doing Bollywood, you know, is it Bollywood? Bollywood. It is Bollywood. It is. is. (laughs) Like just doing all of these things and taking up space because we can. can. That's what my my best friend, uh, she's Puerto Rican, right? She grew up. um, And she told me, you know, we had like a heart to heart because she told me it was because of her that she tried out for cheerleading. Oh, because of me, rather, um, that she mm-hmm. shout out because uh, for cheerleading and for theater, because I was involved in all these things. And she's like, I never had met anybody like you who right. you just did whatever. Right. And there was things that I always secretly wanted to do, but I never would have tried because she grew up in Manhattan. And then she came to Staten Island. She was like, I don't, this is white people stuff. Like, I would never, ever try to do this. And she didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So then she, you know, so she really felt um, just like, it, it just touched me because I was like, wow that shows that representation, it does matter. When you were there, someone else now feels comfortable. And then when I left and now my baby cousin, she just turned 26, but she was, when she was at the high school, the, the squad was mostly black. Mm-hmm. When I was there, it was mostly white. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I think it's just really, uh, still the school was very mixed and diverse, uh, but, the, but the, it was way more black girls as I was leaving. Each year there were more and more added so that made me feel really, really good, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And what what else don't we know about you? I feel like I feel yeah. like you're full of surprises. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a lot of. What do you want the world to know about you that that we can't like Google? Right. Maybe. Mm-hmm. There you go. I like that. <laughs> um. But once I say it, it becomes Googleable. So, <laughs> okay. um, uh, God, can I say that? He get mad. No, say it. So, say he can just he can just erase it. It's not here. We we are we're running yeah. the show right now. I, so I, I, was involved, I was mildly involved with a, a guy who was on the Real World a long time ago. Uh, Wow. What was that? There are pictures. I like that. I might bring the pictures out one day and post them on my Instagram. <laughs> what city? What oh, city yeah, this was, was he in? He was in, he was, oh, Lord. He. I don't even know how old y'all are, because I don't even know, but he was in Seattle. Oh, Seattle. He's a Boston native. What happened was he came to my college to talk, and I was the editor of the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to find him, I'm sure. And uh, and uh, he was on the show. My sister and I used to love the real world. This was like, you know, season five or six. It was like an early season. Because they had, what, 25 of them? And he, uh, and so that he, he, I sat down. I was like, well, I'll interview him. And my sister had always thought he was cute. 
And I was like, ah, whatever. And then when we sat down, he, uh, uh-oh, Liz got some. <laughs> I think. <laughs> so then we sat down. That's the first name starts with a D. Huh? It starts with a D. Okay. Yeah. Do you All want right. me to say it or nah? Yeah, it's just really deep. No, don't say the okay, name. Yeah, too yeah. much. <laughs> too much. People can figure it out. People can figure it out. Um, and we still stay in communication, but yeah, but um, then him and I were like just looking at each other, and I didn't think I was gonna. I didn't think he was super attractive on the show. Mm-hmm. But then when he was talking, he came with another one of the pretty popular person on the show, and they were talking to us, and then everyone was like, then we went out to get dinner. And then we just stayed in communication <laughs> and hung out a couple of times. And then we reconnected after like I got divorced Then we reconnected. Like it was crazy, wow. but we're, we're, we're still cool. We're still, we're, we follow each other on Instagram. We, yeah. It's just, all the things. So yeah. All the things. All the, yes. All the things. <laughs> I, 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 I like right. that story. Yeah. He, <laughs> I mean, he was on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that no one. <laughs> knew except for kids that went to college <laughs> with me and well yeah some people knew but yeah. yeah well thank you for sharing what we didn't know about you and chatting with us on what <laughs> we do know and you know yep. talking about things that you know are really important and you know having space and creating space to have these conversations so we really we really appreciate you spending time with us and where can people find you on social media and otherwise yeah, um, so you can find me on social. I'm revamping my whole website. Okay. Um, so not right now, but basically you can follow me on either Claudia Connects or Claudia Yankees, my personal one. Uh, but Claudia Connects is kind of where I post from time to time, um, just you know things going on in my speaking. Uh, I'm going to be doing more because I'm doing more DEI uh, work, which I'm excited about. And, and I also you know do trainings on how to network. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. so a lot of that I've done, you know, talks at Harvard, talks at Northeastern, talks at some corporations to help people feel more comfortable networking and also in, in uh, groups of uh, people of color as well to talk about how best to network. Uh, and I'm doing a whole series soon coming up, uh, one for speed networking, oh, awesome. I'm going to have some speed networking events and then uh, virtually, and then also um, ways to uh, navigate virtually. So. You can check all of that out. That should be coming up in the next uh, couple of months or so. So I'm excited about that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I'll definitely keep a lookout on that one. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, though. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to be running with the trailblazers. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We we have a, our next one will be November. We definitely have a self-care Sunday where we're going to run and do meditation afterwards. So. Oh, that's all perfect. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's really relaxing. Very therapeutic. It's, it's it. the best. Yeah, it's great. Great, great, great. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a quick review. This helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. That wraps up today's show. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode.